Welcome to the Movement Underground Radio with your hosts, Mike Stella and Anthony Pranzo. What do high-performance athletes and people have in common? High-performance mindsets. We are here to take an underground look at the stories behind the athletes, therapists, trainers, and people who push their own limits so that we may expand our own. Take a deep dive underground with us in three, two, one. Welcome back to the Movement Underground Radio. This is your host, Mike Stella, and my next guest is a dear friend and fellow rock tape instructor, Dr. Tim Szymanski, also known as Wad Doc. He's originally a graduate of the University of Scranton before going on to receive his doctorate from the New York Chiropractic College, then later becoming a diplomat of the American Chiropractic Board of Sport Physicians through Palmer South College. Uh, Tim is a certified strength and conditioning specialist, a CrossFit level one coach, a USA weightlifting coach, as well as Olympic lifting coach. And he is the owner and operator of Burp Therapy, which stands for Boston Injury Rehab Performance, obviously up in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, He is a fantastic athlete himself and a great educator and one of those people who really stormed social media early on. So I'm really looking forward to speaking with my good friend, Tim. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Tim Smansky. Hey guys, nice to meet you all. Thanks, Mike, for having me on. I know that you've been ducking me for a little bit. Actually, we, we <laughs> talked about this. We talked about this. And the funny thing is, we played more Call of Duty together than we were able to get the podcast in. So I'm glad that's, we're finally doing this. <laughs> yep, that's right. You already let the cat out of the bag. We were going to get to uh, Call of Duty in a little bit. We'll, we'll, we're going to revisit the Call of Duty gameplay slash coronavirus, like, like spending. But we've spent a lot more time talking to each other over the last couple of weeks than we have probably in the last like year. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And my thumbs are conditioned, man. My Dude, thumbs are like. That's how I'm maintaining like my hand conditioning for when I get back to being able to work on people again is, is you know, that dexterity and strength is endurance is coming from the PS4 oh, yeah. these days. <laughs> right. So Tim, speaking <laughs> of coronavirus, um, How's, uh, you know, tell us about Burp and tell us about like kind of the, some of the stuff that you're doing currently to kind of stay active. I think, you know, we were talking about this and I think you're doing a really great job of just, you know, staying relevant in your patients' lives and, and being available for them. Um, and so can you highlight, you know, some of the strategies that you've been able to put in place to kind of help stay connected, even though we're all obviously having a distance from our, you know, our friends and our family, but, you know, for people like you and I who, you know, interact with the patient population, maybe even more so than our families, uh, how have you been able to stay in touch and, and, and stay a part of those, you know, your clients' lives? You know, this is, a, this is an unprecedented time, right? This is unfamiliar ground for everyone. And we yeah. can all kind of feel like explorers, uh, explorers uh, in a way. It, it, it really is. Like, it's, this is like Lewis and Clark type times, but for, you know, the, the everyday modern community. So, um there's so many layers to that, that answer. It's not even fair to, to say it in a sentence, but I, I had somebody a lot smarter than me said, we were talking more about financials and whatnot, and it's all about extending, right? You know, like everything that we're doing is trying to extend. So a lot of the engagement that I'm, you know, attempting to do is to stay relevant in my previous patients' lives uh, to people that could possibly be patients. And, the way that I've always done that was through my social media platform. So um, about giving uh, quality information that can help the, you know, the few people that 
that happen to to commit to that, right? Because there's a lot of people that are kind of like noise, right? You know, so sure. social media networks are there, but the, the total engagement that you get, you know, it's what, less than like 1% of the right, following right. and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, on average. So, for, so they're all noise, right? Um, so my goal has always been to, hey, could I put out some quality information that can help some people's lives that can contribute to my community? People that stay relevant, people that extend, uh, are contributors in some sort, right? A lot, a lot of people, people don't really love takers, so, so, so to speak, right? If all you're doing, if you're that guy that's always, you know, <laughs> you're, if you're that guy that's always bumming the cigarette rather than having the pack of cigarettes, I don't, <laughs> right. I don't smoke. I don't smoke, but that's like the best That's a good metaphor. No, you. you're, you're right. You, you know, know, if you're perpetually somebody who always is asking for something in return, you know, right. you can definitely rub people the wrong way. Yeah. And at first I think everyone is like, oh, okay, cool. You know, he's, he's with us. We'll do whatever. Or she's with us. We'll do whatever. But after a while you start, man, like, uh, you know, I, I, I don't feel like, you know, I guess in, in the golf world, this is, I can remember this all the time. I had a buddy that I played with that never had tees ever, never, <laughs> ever had tees. Right. And like, sure. I don't care. Like what's a tea, like, like one, one cent, but right, the, right. the it's the gesture that gets annoying after a while. What do you mean? You don't have any fucking teas, bro. Bring <laughs> your own tea. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I've, I've always wanted to create quality content as a way to give back to the community, uh, to give back to the people that follow the stuff that I do. And as a, as a, uh, you know, just as a ramification, you get some, some of that portion, you stay relevant in their lives. And hopefully uh, when, you know, everything gets back to how it is, then, um, you know, that relevance turns into, you know, you know, some sort of business obligation business ventures or something like that. Right, right. right. No, I mean, you know, like, listen, so I just took your live 20 minute neck fix class, right? So you started these virtual classes that uh, are free for now. Is that the plan to keep them free is just a way to kind of keep engagement going. But I mean, we went through a 20 minute like neck kind of mobility slash movement uh, workout. It wasn't really like a high, you know, an intensity workout. It was really more of a self-assessment and just kind of exploring our movement and kind of adding a little bit of mobility to kind of unfuck our neck from like, you know, obviously yeah. like this quarantine life where, you know, I've been sitting far more than I ever do in a day-to-day, you know, situation. Right. I'm more stagnant than I have been, you know, so you have to really be deliberate about movement or, or moving your body. It's really easy to slip into that kind of sedentary up. Oh, I guess there's nothing to do. So I'm just going to sit and watch Netflix again or yeah, start whatever. making cocktails at two o'clock. That's yeah. what I like to do too. Right. I, I mean, yeah, you know, we I all mean, have our coping mechanisms. Right. And I'm not, I'm not here to judge. <laughs> uh, but so I, we'll see whether or not uh, that turns into a, a paid membership, but for right now it's a, it's a learning platform for us. Ideally, um, there's always something that I can give to the community for, uh, you know, a complimentary service. Right. Sure. But then from there, it allows people that, Hey, I really like this, but I want more specialized individualized care. Can we do one-on-one and that could be right. a paid per service. Uh, but for right now, uh, we're all kind of learning, right? So yeah, totally. my goal is to, you know, gain interest, uh, and help people that want to be helped and that want to commit to doing that because uh, let's face it, 20 minutes once is not going to, you know, unfuck your neck, as you said it, right? But 
my, my goal is, is that I've noticed, uh, you know, these range of motions become limited and these limited life cycles of those range of motions accumulate over time. And then we have stiffness. I've, I've noticed that I am for whatever reason, very mobile, probably from the, you know, the years of wrestling, my hips are super mobile rotation wise, right? I've been the tightest I ever have. So this is a way that I could uh, also like give myself assess uh, self-assessment, right? You know, so I'm helping out and directing this, you know, this mobility movement class. I like to call it a movement class because it's not just mobility. My goal in this class is, is threefold to get to, first of all, break up people's days, right? So we are stuck in front of our computers and our couches a lot more than we ever have. And if not, at the very least, even if we're not doing that, we're confined to a much smaller space. With that, we have a reduction of, um, of quality of movement, of variety of movement, right? So my goal is, can I increase the variety of movement that you have? Um, and can I help you start to explore those ranges of motion, right? And then maybe hopefully gain a little additional um, movement, quality of movement, variety of movement, overall to help you feel just a little bit uh, uh, better, you know, throughout your day. So break it up, add a little bit more quality of movement, add a little bit more variety of movement, feel better. That's it. Uh, 20 minutes a day is a, is a great breakup. Everyone needs to be able to, um, you know, get up off uh, their computer setup or their couch setup or anything else anyway. And, uh, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, I jumped in because I wanted to support you. And, you know, you and I were talking last night about kind of some of the new systems and how you're, you know, going about like scheduling and all the kind of back-end business stuff. Um, and But I jumped in today and I loved it. I, you know, I definitely as we were going through some of like the self-assessment stuff, I'm like, wow, yeah, my neck is a little bit stiffer than it usually is. And I definitely felt better after the 20 minutes. And it was great to see, you know, a bunch of your patients and athletes that you work with and people that you work with, like hop in on there. And, you know, I just got to be like, kind of like a fly on the wall and see yeah. you know, how delighted your patients were just to be able to interact with you again. And that was really cool, man. Uh, definitely yeah, and it's cool really cool too, because some of those patients are like, they're not, they're not, their people have moved away. Right. So That's awesome. uh, they're able to still reach out. It, the cool thing, you know, we get so confined and so like uh, uh, pessimistic about, Oh, we can't do this. We can't do that. We can't do this. But there are advantages to this whole digital, you know, world that we're entering and kind of mainstreaming, right. Yeah. Is geographic isolation no longer exists. I should say ge geographic attractiveness no longer exists, right? So people would not take a course because it just wasn't geographically feasible, right? Uh, but now, like I like that one patient. There was a there was a patient that I seen years ago. Lives in Michigan. Took the class now. You know, like that type of stuff. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's a great way to to reach people that you wouldn't typically be able to reach in person. So I like this. I mean, even if things go back to how they are, I, this is something I plan to incorporate into practice you know, uh, for a long time to come. And I think it's where a lot of things are going to go. Yeah. I love that, man. And, and honestly, you were, you know, somebody in, in terms of like, just talking about like social media and this ability to reach, you know, many different people, maybe on a little bit more of a shallow level, you know, like, so, you know, in person, I talk about this all the time, you know, even when I was slowly, you know, in the beginning, hesitant to post a lot more on social media, obviously now that's not really an issue. I do it all the time. Uh, but like in person, like we can get really deep and help, you know, like eight to 12 people a day, 
you know what I mean? Like really spend the time with them in, in person and go through these assessments and maybe some manual work and some exercise program design, whatever, you know, we're doing to help that person, you know, feel better, move better, and then hopefully move more. But digitally, you know, we have the opportunity now to help potentially thousands of people, maybe on a more shallow level, but it's still helping them regardless. Right. And so, yeah, man, it was really cool to see, you know, that course and kind of how you kind of guided us through that 20 minute movement sequencing. It was really cool, man. I really loved it. And it's definitely got my gear spinning for, you know, ways that I can kind of professionally copy you and just kind of maybe implement something similar for my members, um, you know, to just keep some engagement, keep people in the loop, you know, obviously show them that we care uh, enough to donate a little bit of our time to make sure that they're getting what they need. Um, but with that being said, I would love to ask you about, you know, Wadoc, your alter ego, because you were somebody <laughs> who definitely, you know, kind of killed the social media game, you know, years ago. And obviously you still are, but like how many videos in a row did you do? Did you have like 1800 videos in a row? Is that right? Yeah, Every I did day? five years, five years, five years uh, of daily videos, 1825. Mm -hmm. Damn. Can you talk um, about that? Like, go back to like, because I know you have a lot to say about social media. So I would love yeah. to get your hot take on, you know, like where social media was when five years ago or however many years ago it was when you started doing the daily videos uh, until kind of like now. Man, that's been a roller coaster, right? So, um, yeah, Wadoc, that alter ego that kind of came up, it kind of is developed from uh, work out of the day doctor, but it started out as a joke, right? So <laughs> you have to go back, you have to go back, um, you know, what, five plus years ago, six, six years ago now, six and a half, maybe, um, you know, just like CrossFit's emerging, uh, Kelly Starrett kind of gets placed in the middle of it. Mobility walk comes out, but all those guys that were starting to put out information were all West coast guys, like all of them. Right. You know? Um, so there wasn't really East coast vlogger. Uh, and I wanted to get in that scene and I liked that scene and I liked it because of this. I started out as like CrossFit coach, you know, getting out of school. Uh, I'm sure this is similar for ATCs as well, but you know, Kairos, when they get out of school, there's not like some magical, like $200, uh, 200, uh, K a year job. Like most right. Kairos, when they come out, they're, they're scraping money together. So you start all these community resource things uh, to try to gain, you know, uh, popularity or at least notability in the community. So people, you know, notice you, trust you, come to you, that type of stuff. Sure. The only thing I really had behind that as being a, you know, a college athlete my, uh, and, or an athlete my whole life was, uh, was coaching or uh, a form of coaching. I got into CrossFit uh, when I was still in chiropractic college and uh, it's very similar. The setup of it is very similar to like a wrestling class and I wrestled my whole life. So the idea of like the way you would push people through classes, I mean, wrestling is calisthenics, right? It's a, uh, that 90% that of your, your stuff is calisthenics and like most of it. And then there's some drilling, but right. anyway, so, uh, I got into coaching wrestling, uh, coaching CrossFit because I couldn't afford CrossFit membership, right? And at that time, it's funny. It was like 75 bucks a month. And I was like, oh my God, I can't do that. Now, fast forward, it's like 275, but. Right, right. Um, but imagine? still, yeah, right. So I started coaching to have a free membership. Um, and I was that, you know, I just got out of school, super overzealous, like knew everything. No one could tell me anything different. <laughs> like, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah, it sounds familiar. So, like, yeah, so I would like, 
I would not, I'd be working out at the gym, like outside of class and stuff like that. And I'd see people doing these things that I thought were dangerous or wrong. And I would just like jump into class and be like, Oh, well, you really should do this. You really should do that. Right. Got to the point where the coaches were making fun of me and be like, Oh, walk dog to the rescue because they called me doc at, at the gym. Right. Rather than Tim, just cause I was a doctor. Right. right. Uh, so they'd be like, Hey doc's here. Hey doc's here. Right. And then that somehow turned into like, when I would do something overzealous and kind of like, uh, like dumb, they would be like, Oh, what dog to the rescue. And I'd be like, okay, whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, to combine those two thoughts, uh, basically I noticed it, throughout the course of time, I had very little injury in my classes, like, but there were people that were coming in that were injured. Um, so how was it that my classes weren't having injuries, but you know, other coaches were getting injuries. And I just think it came down to the education. That wasn't that I was better than anyone at those times, you know, CrossFit coaches weren't very educated. They didn't have a lot. They could take that weekend seminar and they would be able to do right. like the stuff that, that they had. And that's not, I'm not shitting on that. Like that was what, that was just the resources that were available. Then, right. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's so, still the case. Right. And so, and again, but like, especially with the fitness industry in general, like there, I know personal trainers and CrossFit level one coaches that are just phenomenally smart people. And then there's other people that share the same credential that are just kind of like the bottom feeders and, you know, give everybody yeah. a bad rap, so to speak. But like, yeah, so there is a, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of fitness paradigm that you're subscribing to. You're going to get people that do it at a high level. You're going to get people that maybe just kind of yeah. do the minimum. With everything, with every educational, anything, that's what's going to happen. Right. 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 Um, but anyway, so with that, I was like, wait, maybe like I have something to offer here. Like, you know, like, and that was kind of like where I really started to explore my own knowledge and be like, wait a second. Like I went to school for a long time. I, I just happen to have a basis of information, like a foundation that is just greater than some of my colleagues. And so I started doing these little videos and the reason uh, the, the thing is called project 365 was because initially I wanted to make a one year commitment of doing it every day. Um, and then I just got addicted to it, it, it the best way I could say it. I got, I, you know, where I just, just never stopped. And then you would tell yourself like, wait, I'm going to change this and that and this and that. Um, but I want to like make it to this milestone or I want to make it to that milestone. The next thing I knew it was five years later. So that's the story. Wow, man. <laughs> I mean, can you, can you kind of go back to some of those, that first year of like project 365? So like, for those of you guys who don't know, like Tim is like the marathon man on Instagram. Like, I, you know, when you, for me to, as a content producer myself, there are, especially now more than ever, I take plenty of days where I don't put up content because it is mentally draining. Sometimes it can be physically draining. Sometimes like some days you're just super busy and like, you know, like that, oh, posting that video or that picture just didn't make it into the queue for like what you needed to do that day. But you yeah. like did it religiously. Did it matter if it was a holiday, if you had to travel to teach, if you had to go to a wedding, if you were sick, if you, you know what I mean? Oh, like, like you did it every single day without fail for five plus years. So like, tell yeah, us, was like, how was that growth trajectory early on or just like, well, like, initially was it was feedback? very simple. Right. So initially, first, like you said, it was right. My goal has always been to tape every day. Right. And the reason why I did that, and I said this, 
uh, hope, hope the viewers love this, right? Uh, but I said it like this, and I, I was like, listen, I don't want to be a news station. That was never my idea. There should be variation in my persona, right? So you should know the difference if I got a blowjob that day or a traffic ticket. That was, that, that's what I would say to my, my, my friends, right? I'd be like, listen, because you should, I, I should be like really happy and excited, or I should be like, fuck, I hate life. Like, I just got, a, you know, a traffic ticket. Right. But that variation was what I thought made my channel unique. I would see a lot of other bloggers out there or vloggers. They would release daily content, but it wasn't produced daily. Right. So you'd see a guy put out 12 videos in a row, but he'd be wearing the same short and shirt and the same, right. it was the same day. And he just did, he just did 12 videos. It was staged and polished. Yeah. Correct. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, no. At my time, I chose to go a different path, and that path degrades quality. I can make fucking beautiful videos. I can edit them. I can make them look awesome, intros, stuff like that. Um, but I, but you, it, it became unfeasible for me to do that taping every day. Right. I would rather have this raw, unedited version of myself that had variation than this polished uh, box cutter version of myself that wasn't really me. That was always the goal, right? And uh, that's what the uniqueness that I wanted people to get out of my channel was like, nah, like, yeah, the lighting's not great. Sometimes the sound sucks. You know, he messes up every now and then. I always tried to pride myself on taking one take. Like, it didn't happen all the time. Like, sometimes I would say something stupid or something like I, especially as the channel got bigger. Um, I remember I said, you know, something like some off-color comment once, uh, and it, I just got, like, it was just too much. So if I said something dumb, um, then I would like redo it or something. Like right. That. Right. Uh, but for the most part, I always tried to do it as a raw one take done thing. And that was it. Um, and again, more towards the authenticity because that's how it is in real life. Dude. I love that. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm definitely somebody who puts a lot of editing time into my content and it's a little bit more polished, but I do also share the same viewpoint where like, you know, like for example, a few weeks ago, or a couple of weeks ago, rather, I was just kind of feeling the fucking weight of this whole coronavirus thing. And I put it out there on my Instagram, like, Hey, I'm yeah, I saw that. today. And like, you know, I try to keep it real and, and show the real side, not just kind of like the polished ambassador type content, which I do do, you know, it, it gets easy. And that's the thing that people I think sometimes don't understand when it comes to being like a quote unquote social media influencer or whatever you want to call it is that, you know, most people out there that are put, putting out content for people to consume are putting out the stuff that they want people to see, right? Yeah. And so the best I get the best engagement on the content that is exactly like you say, raw, unedited, unfiltered. This is who I am. This is what I struggle with because I'm a human being too. And I have my shit just like everybody else does. And I think there's, there's definitely an attraction to that. You know, yeah. and, and, and I mean, again, like you actually were somebody that influenced me early on because like, you know, like I started my first business and, you know, I knew social media was important. I knew putting out content was important. Any business guru or thing that you download that helps you run a business is all talking about putting out free content. But the way that you executed that every single day was just like, man, if Tim can put out a piece of a video piece every single day, that's raw unedited that he films live every day, then I can put up three posts a week. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I could put up four 100%. posts a week, you know, and we so like, he really gave me some motivation to, to just like shut up and put up versus like, yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. I, you know, I, I listen, if I, if I change one person's life, uh, you know, that that's to me worth it. Like, so 
the, the, I can look back in 10 years uh, and look at that as a journal of my life of like a, of a journal of my contribution. So like, I, I, I don't have any regrets about it. Like the game of social media, I don't really love. And I think I've, we've talked privately and stuff like that about how social media has changed so much and kind of like what's kind of driven me out of it to a certain extent, the shallowness of what it's become, the polishness of what it become, but it, it's not anybody's fault. It's the consumer's fault. Right. Right. It's like, it, it's what dry, like, like channels are driven by who watches them. So I just don't really love what we're consuming as much anymore. You know, um, back in the day, it was super easy. You know, back in the day, you, you got a following and uh, it was very time driven. Like Instagram was time driven, right? So if I had whatever, 10,000 followers at that time, I could look and see what general times they were on and I could post accordingly. And I said, okay, I'm going to post eight o'clock every morning. And that would kind of show up like in a, in a uh, time driven chronological order on your feed right now. Like, you know, if, uh, if I'm into CrossFit and there's, you know, 20 girls doing snatches and thongs, um, and I like all those pictures and then Wad Doc posts a video, you know, five minutes from now, but I want, I like three swimsuit models pictures. Like, you know, that's what you're going to say. Like yeah. yesterday, that's what comes up. So you have to, you're always scrolling down. So we call it thumb time. I don't know if that's, that's what you guys use, but how far do you need to scroll down until Wad Doc stuff comes up? And you know, that stuff gets like super frustrating. Also what gets super frustrating is the, is the actual content. Like everybody's a fucking expert now. And, uh, <laughs> and we get drowned out by the, 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 the watered down information and the real information. Because let's right. face it, the real information is never as exciting as the watered down glorified information. It's like, watching, it's like watching the History Channel versus reading the fucking encyclopedia. Which one do you want to do, right? right. I want to watch Ancient Aliens, okay? Because that, I'm like, ooh, awesome, <laughs> right? But there's, dude, you're like, totally my, right. Dude, my father and I get into an argument about this all the time. Like, literally fucking every time we talk. He'll tell me something that he saw on TV on the History Channel or this and that. I'll be like, awesome. You realize there is an element of entertainment involved in what you're saying, right? They need to keep you watching. Right. So yes, I'm, I'm not saying that there's not bits of that or a structure or framework of that that's real, but ain't it all real. So right. like chill out, right? Just because you saw it on TV. Um, but that's how we are now, right? Well, that's even the case now with like, you know, obviously with this whole coronavirus thing and the biggest issue, the fear, the panic, a lot of it is secondary to this idea that a lot of the information that we're getting through mainstream media is filtered to the point because it's what you know, the stakeholders want you to see. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, and, and it's, you know, it definitely can become frustrating as a consumer or you're just completely oblivious, which is probably, you know, that sheep or herd mindset yeah. mentality that, you know, the masses are kind of subscribing to a few areas that they're getting their information from. And so, you know, I think when you're aware of that, you can be more, you know, uh, conscientious or aware over how and how, when, and who you're consuming information from. Um, but dude, you're, you're definitely a hundred percent right. You know, when I started, you know, my Instagram was right before that, that switch over and like the algorithm or whatever. Right. So I got a little bit of that benefit of like the chronological based feed and you know, like where if you posted more and you posted good content, you know, you're, followership or your engagement would reflect that 
And, and yeah. definitely I notice now more than ever is that if I take some time off of posting and then I start to post some content again, I definitely get less engagement or less view oh. than if I'm doing it yeah. every day. And so now it's kind of really become kind of this corporate, like if you don't follow their rules, you don't get the benefit maybe that yeah. you would have if you were being more authentic like you were early on. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, because it, it's just, sometimes it's just impossible to do anymore. And I, I just feel like it goes, it gets watered down over and over and over again. At the end of the day, this is one thing that's absolutely true. The masses will always pick entertainment over education all the time. Right. I'm not saying there's not a group in that bell curve on each side of that, that will pick education over entertainment. Sure. But like, but they're you know, the exception, not the norm. They're the exception. Right. And you need the bell curve to be successful in social media nowadays. You don't need the exception. All right. Um, so you know, what advice would you give somebody somebody stuff if, they were, if they were really trying to build, you know, because your personal brand obviously has, you know, translated for, you know, your ability to practice as a chiropractor business wise, like same for me, you know, it's it, now, it's nowadays, um, my life, but what advice would you give somebody who maybe does have value to bring to the table, uh, what would you say to that person? Uh, probably produce it naked, like with, with like, you know, fogging out their private parts. <laughs> Honestly, I, so like, I, I, it's not a great answer. People look at it as pessimistic, but it's probably the, it's probably the true answer. Like, yeah, totally. um, like, listen, I think the guys from move, move you are great. Right. I think that they have great information. I don't think he needs to be fucking shirtless every, every video. Like that type of stuff annoys me. Like right. I don't follow those guys. Not because I don't think they're great people. Cause I think they're fucking annoying. Right. right. Like I think the idea of acting like an asshole every day, just to try to produce a little bit of entertainment value so that people look at you. That's not me. That's not authentic. Like I, I don't, it's just, it's a, it's just legitimately annoying. Like, and I, and again, I want to say that in a respectful manner because I, I met them. I think they're great dudes, nothing personally wrong with them. I just hate that delivery of content. Sure. Uh, like it's, it's really funny. Like if you want to do it like on a, whatever, a one-off day when you're doing a polar plunge or something like that. But like, it's just like every day you got to act like an obnoxious ass just to try to get a little bit of your point across. It's just too much. Right. Um, so I guess going back uh, to try to answer the question in a real manner is you just have to be as authentic as you can. And if you're, if, if authentic to you is to act like an ass, go be it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not here to judge you or anything else. Sure, right. Sure. Uh, but like, uh, that's not me. Uh, so my authentic is what I've been doing for the last five years. And that's what I'm trying to produce now. Yeah, man, you're, uh, but, you're a guy in the trenches. You know what I mean? Like you're not, it's not like a polished produced thing all the time, but it's, it's the real deal. This is Tim doing his thing with his people in the gym, outside on the farm. Doesn't matter what scenario it is. It's going to be the real, the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so authenticity, and, I, and those are all things that I think social media influencers will tell you, uh, like everyone, right. But they'll kind we'll of say, speak out of both sides of their mouth. Be like, yeah, you gotta be authentic. Meanwhile, it's like they're putting their ambassador out there, like the right. version of themselves that is palatable to the society at large that, you know, what they think people want to see from them. And, you know, again, it's, you're totally right. Um, yeah. 
you know, if you have a little bit of sex appeal, that can probably take you further than having like real knowledge. Unfortunately, listen, ju- just go and you just look. I'm not saying there isn't guys, but you just look at the the number of attractive women versus the number even of attractive men that have like large power and power in social media. And like, there's going to be a huge skew there, right? And it's right. just because of the way we consume information. But uh, authenticity is super, super important. And then the other question I would really ask myself is what are you influencing? Like I have people that ask me like this all the time, like, oh, I want to be a social media influencer. How'd you get 50,000 followers? Well, first of all, keep in mind, like I've been losing followers probably for a year now. So I don't even know if I'm a great person to ask about this, but, um, but that's because I know what I'm trying to influence. Like I know that answer. Uh, so I would say authenticity, know what you're trying to influence, whether that adds followers or not. Don't, don't be obsessed with the numbers. I could care less if my followership drops down to a thousand people. If every one of those thousand people want to engage with me and want to share the message that I'm trying to provide, and we're all on the same page floating down the same river, then that's fine. Right. I'll take a thousand people that like and are truly committed to my message over 50,000, 100,000, 1 million people that just look at me because I post pictures because I'm half naked. Right. No, totally, man. I, I definitely agree with you. Um, you know, like we've had this conversation like privately, which was part of the reason why I really wanted to have you on the podcast was to kind of show the other side of the coin. You know what I mean? Like talk about yeah. the stuff that people don't talk about, which is like a social like media whole, influencer like, that doesn't like social media. <laughs> I mean, but that's the truth, man. That's, you know, like, you know, I battle with myself constantly over this because, you know, I think my audience and and, and I don't think when I started, I really had that question answered. It just kind of happened that way. Like the people that I followed and were kind of like either virtual mentors or, you know, the big juggernauts in our, in the fitness or health or, you know, rehab industries, the way that they were producing their content. I kind of just kind of followed suit and, you know, I found my voice along the way, but you know, my message and my audience 90% of the time is really geared more towards the therapist, the trainer, the clinician. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so that's become the audience that I'm speaking to, you know, and, and again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but conversely, you've really been able to capture that athlete, the person yeah. who wants to perform better. Um, and I, and I think it definitely has, different pros and cons as, as to how you can progress or utilize those eyeballs to, you know, again, again, help your business, help your brand, help, you know, that's the reason we do it ultimately isn't like, you know, we can sit here and say that we produce content for the altruistic reason, which is to, you know, bring value to people's lives, which does feel good. And I love doing that. You know, you get that one comment that says, man, this really helped me can make your whole day. Um, but at this, on the other side of it, you know, we obviously are putting it out there because we want people to see it. So, you know, any, did you start with that in mind, like reaching the athlete, the individual, the CrossFit competitor, or the person who's thinking about getting their body back? Is that where you started, you know, Doc? Yeah, a hundred percent. So, um, my, you know, going back to that story that I said before is like my, original thought was I had this revelation of like, why is no one getting hurt in my classes? And not that I was better than anyone else. Right. And then I was like, wait a second, but people are getting hurt. How could I, how could I use the education that I have and share it with the world? And that world just happened to start to be Instagram. Like, I'm not sure, like 
I, I, I run, I have a model and I'm not sure if everyone has a model, but my model has always been, I should say always, I've developed this. I've like found my, you know, my place and whatever developed this model of uh, the only worthless knowledge is the knowledge you don't share. Right. So, and I think it comes from being a chiropractor and I really do because when I first got in the chiropractic world, everybody was like, Oh, PT suck. You know, chiros are the best. And like, it was like these, it was the, these uneducated, insecure practitioners, uh, whether it was because they were in practice for 50 years, they just didn't want it. They just haven't like, you know, developed uh, along the way, or if it was just like they were brand new and they just wanted to hoard everything to themselves. But sure. this is the simple fact, absolute fact. All knowledge has been shared at one point or another. We don't have an innate ability to know fucking anything, all right? Besides run away from the tiger in the fire, okay? Uh, besides that, like all of our education, everything that you know currently right now, with the exception of minuscule things, right? Yeah, unless you're Elon been, Musk, right. you know what I mean? As has been shared to you, right? right? So why is it that everyone wants to have this education, but like die with it? That's always been something that I was like, no, that's not what I want. I paid $200,000 for this education. I'm going to, I am going to use it. And the way that I'm going to use it is to share it with as many people as I can. And if I help people along the way, then that's awesome. That is my goal. That's always been my goal. And yeah. the sharing of knowledge. Yeah. There's, there's self-fulfillment in that, right? Like, sure. so, Yes, I help other people, but I get enjoyment out of that. Like I'm an educator. That's why I teach for rock tape. That's why like I, I lecture on my own because I love to be able to convey a message that may, you know, uh, improve somebody's life or just, it doesn't even have to directly improve their life. But if it could do anything to better them, um, then I get self-fulfillment on that. that Dude, like I, I, listen, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think, you know, when I started teaching for Octave, it was really my first kind of dive into teaching and education on the education side of the coin. You know, besides the free content that I was putting out, like the YouTube stuff, whatever. Man, what a good feeling. You know what I mean? And it really became a second passion for me because it feels so good. Like you teach a class you know, even like rock tape, like we didn't come up with that content. We're just teaching no. somebody else, somebody content. else's story. Yeah. And, and, but the, and we all kind of have our own spin on it. We all have our own twist on it and you know, the way that we deliver it, but people come up to you and they like, Oh my God, like, you know, you know, so much, or, you know, like, because you might know a little bit more than they do at that current time, but you're a hundred percent right, man. It's not like that knowledge is mine and mine alone. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like even, you know, like I'm in the process of writing a course right now. I'm using this time, you know, to, to write a course and it's easy to slip into that imposter syndrome and go, Oh man, you know, like I'm just kind of using this idea from somebody else, but that's what all knowledge is, you know, and what I'm all doing is just organizing is it and packaging it in a way that's digestible for somebody. That's all I'm that's really it. doing is just adding a little bit of story to it, a little bit of continuity, a little bit of flow and organization to an idea that's already been put out there. For many, right. many and that years. and that evolves. That's not to say totally. that you don't contribute to that information, but that's right. that's to say that again, like it does evolve, uh, and you can contribute to it. But what is the sense of doing that if you die with it? Right. right? Totally. You know, like what's Love the that. sense of knowing everything but being dead? Right. There's this old saying. What is it? He who dies with the most toys still dies. Like sure. same thing. He who dies with the most knowledge still dies. Like you know, like so. What value did that knowledge have? It's not like money that you can leave to a relative or some weird shit like that. You right. know, it's not, it's not a, a, uh, an animate object, right. Uh, that like is 
pass like his ability to pass like like after that person's gone um right. knowledge is something that needs to be shared you directly i mean unless you write it down but still that's the same way right but it's right. still sharing some form yeah. imagine wow. joseph lister you know who, who started antiseptic you know was like wow none of these babies are dying but i'm not gonna tell anybody i just want everyone to come here and get their their babies delivered here by right me. right exactly. yeah by me no he shared the idea hey i'm using this fucking weird magical shit and none of the babies are dying and they're like oh it's killing all the germs okay cool like could you imagine where if we if he just died with that like where yeah. we would be like right. that would be it's crazy like so yeah and we're sitting on this like absolute gold mine of opportunity now because of technology and our ability to share is yes. un, is, is untapped it's un it's unrestricted like all if and you want to share something all you have to do is pick up your phone hit three fucking buttons and you can share potentially with millions of people right mm -hmm. that easy and so if you have something that you're you know again the pull away from this is if you have something to share share it you know who if somebody doesn't like you for it whatever yeah who cares but a if lot you, of times if you being, help being... resonate with one person that can be enough yeah. And a lot of times being polarizing is the thing that allows you to grow the most. Right. I mean, right. The, the, look at our look at our current president, you know, sure, not man. getting into politics, but sure. whether we like him or not, well, I don't care what side you're on for or against anything like that, but the, it, we, you can't argue the fact that he's a polarizing figure, polarizing figure. You, you get notoriety between that. Right. You know, right. people either like you or they love, they either love you or hate you. And that, that's that. And both works really. And both, right? and both any, works. any kind of publicity is good publicity. Right. Even if it's yeah. negative. Yeah. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about, and I didn't tell you I was going to ask you about this. It actually just popped oh. into my head while you were talking. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, it's not bad. It's not, he starts laughing because <laughs> he thinks like my mind's going to go into a bad place. It's not. Yeah. Um, so there's this story that you went to the Middle East for quite a big chunk of time uh, and practiced over there. Can you, can you tell us about that? Like when that uh, was, yeah. why I mean, you did not. it? Um, what that experience was like, like, what was it like treating people in another country versus, you know, here in the States in like Boston, for example, obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, the first thing is the culture's different, right? Obviously. But where'd you go? Great. When was that? Was that like right after school? Like, when did you do that? No. So that, that story, I'll give you the abbreviated version. Sure. I, uh, I, you know, I produced Wadoc. uh, uh, seminars as well, right? Uh, this the seminar is called Why Mobility, and it was basically uh, it is a seminar that focuses on different things than just mobility. Not saying that mobility is not important, but saying like, hey, what are these additional things that are also should be uh, evaluated throughout the course of a process, right? Uh, an athletic process. So, with that on my website, you can request a course, and I got this course requested out for the Middle East uh, in Kuwait, and uh, I, when I got the email at first, I thought it, it's funny. The guy's name's Osama, but at first I thought my, my buddies were like making fun of me. Right. I thought they were like busting my chops because it said like Osama from Kuwait. That's right. like what the, the thing and I was like, oh, okay, funny guys. So I literally deleted the email. Didn't even read it. Right. And like two minutes, two weeks later, I get another email from Osama and, um, and he's like, Hey, like, I'm just following up. Like, you know, what, what's going on? Uh, did you get my message? And I was like, wow, this is legit. Right. Um, before that, I've only hosted seminars within the United States, right? 
And uh, I had no idea like how to host this or anything else like that, but we worked out a deal, ended up going over there and I uh, taught two classes uh, back to back weekends, like, you know, like a Saturday, Sunday, then a Saturday, Sunday. Uh, But throughout the week I had nothing really to do. And the first seminar I had a gentleman that took the class and, you know, received a bunch of benefits said, Hey, listen, um, my neck has been really bothering me. Is there a way that like, you know, you can take a look at it? I was like, well, okay. Like whatever. I didn't even think like licenses, anything else like that. I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, so I treated him and the next day, uh, he came back in. I was, I was lifting at a CrossFit gym, but I did the, that. I did the seminar at, and he came back in. I was like, Oh fuck. Like, like, what, like I didn't know what the hell was going on, but he was so delighted at how he felt. And the treatment that he received, which wasn't anything super magical, just all the stuff that I typically always do, like some sort of myofascial-based treatment with some adjustments, with some rehab, right? Right. And uh, he's like, listen, I need you to treat everybody in my family. <laughs> and I was like, what? So I went from helping this one guy out to you know, treating his entire family. And I think that throughout that week there, between the two seminars, I think I saw like 30 people. And I was like, wait a second, like, what's, like, what's going on here? Turns out that the, the one guy that I treated was a, uh, he was a colonel in the Kuwaiti National Guard. And he was, uh, he was responsible for the delivery of, uh, uh, or, or the, the structure of the physical therapy department for the Kuwaiti National Guard. Get out of here. So, yeah. So it was just by random that I treated this guy that was like that. Right. So, um, so then I started doing some consulting, uh, for the Kuwaiti National Guard, which then opened me up to some of the military aspects and, and we did some other stuff with them. But um, it, that's how it started. So when I was there, um, and I, so anyway, I go back home after these two seminars are done and I get this email asking me if I would do some consulting uh, with Kuwait. And I was like, nah, I don't really, like, nah, really, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, okay, well, how, like, this is, this is how much we can, you know, pay you type of stuff. And I was like, ah, maybe I'll go over. Right? So, <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was financially very rewarding and that's kind of what got me over there. Cause the reason why I ultimately left isn't because I don't love the people there or anything else like that. It was just because it didn't have all the things that I like, you know, like I sure. grew up on a dairy farm hunting and fishing and I like to hike and skydive and I have all the, and I fly planes, do all these weird, you know, like weird that's things what I was that they ask didn't you have. About next, right? so we're going to talk more about that in a second. I will go into that, but, uh, but yeah, so I stayed there and uh, I worked uh, on the military side and on the, uh, the civilian side. And um, how long were you there it was, for? It was a great experience. Two and a half years. Uh, wow. I mean, I was never there longer than 60 days, but um, I would always like, yeah, I would always go back and forth. So basically what I do is I go there I'd, because when you're there, you work like, you know, six, six and a half days a week. So like, then I would take like 30 days off. And so it'd be like highly concentrated treatment practice while you were there and then yeah. you come back and just decompress. Yeah, exactly. And do the so other would, things that you love. Yeah. Um, I tried initially, the, the trips were very short. Initially I did like, uh, you know, cause they, they just don't have chiropractors out there and they don't have manual therapists out there. And that, that's, has grown since that, sure. that when I started going out there, I was the first person to kind of do that. And of course you can imagine how then it got more attractive. The thing that's difficult about it is you need a sponsor. Like you can't just go out there and, you know, set up a shingle. You need to have some sort of interaction with a Kuwaiti uh, national born citizen and they have to sponsor you. So 
Um, and also you can't have a, you can't own a business. All businesses are 51% owned by Kuwaiti citizens. It's all the things like that they do to like right. protect their citizens. So you basically partner with somebody. And I partnered with the people that brought me out uh, to do the seminars to begin with. So I partnered with them, you know, they received a, a portion of that, of that collected income. Uh, in return, I, I worked there and stuff like that. And it was really good. I just, for me, um, I, I loved it. I still love it. I would still go back. Uh, it's just, you know, my place was always at home. I got to a place in my, always in the United States. I got to a place in my life where I was like, you know, starting to get a little bit older, 34, I think I was then. Yeah, I was 34 when I came back. And I started getting like the point like where I started caring more about my personal things. My career has always been number one, right? right. But I started caring, but I was like, shit, I don't have, I don't have a serious relationship and I'm 34 and I want to have children. Like, what? Well, how does that work? I don't necessarily want to live in Kuwait for the rest of my life. So I don't think that me marrying, you know, Kuwaiti citizen, uh, not that there's anything wrong, but just, I just didn't think that was going to work for me. So, right. um, I was like, Hey, I want to go back, you know, back home and I want to do the things it started to get, what starts to wear on, on, on me, what started to wear on me was like not being able to watch like a baseball game or a football game, unless you stayed up to like three o'clock in the morning or like a UFC fight or like all the things that I like to enjoy was super inconvenient. And sure. at first the excitement of everything that you're doing, like, you know, it's, it's like being in the, the infatuation stage of a relationship. Like you don't ever see anything, like nothing ever annoys you or gets, gets you mad. Cause you're just like, Oh, this is so great. All right. Sure. After a while, like that just started to get uh, enough to where I was like, all right, I need to go back home. So, yeah, man. That's, that, I mean, that's, that's an incredible experience and, and, and not many people would have the courage to even go for something like that. Like right out of the gate to, to like, you know, kind of like, not, not to say that you dropped everything, but that's a huge sacrifice for you. I mean, obviously the financial side of it was there, um, but you know, that's not everything. And, and definitely it's admirable for you at least to recognize, Hey, you know what? These are the things that make me happy beyond mm -hmm. just my professional, you know, uh, career, you know, like, cause I think we're the same in that way. Like I love what I do. I love being an athletic trainer and this is like rampant in athletic training, which is like you work for a pro team or, or a big time college team, you'll, because of the clout that comes with it, you'll accept like crappy working conditions, low pay, you know, like a really crappy schedule. Like you'll accept all these negative things that don't make you happy because you get to say like, oh, I work for such and such a school or such and such a program. So it's really yeah. similar in that way where it's like, you know, professionally really rewarding. And like, you know, how many people can say that they were the first to cross a barrier like that? Um, and again, that's got to be scary in some ways too to kind of, it's a totally different culture, you know? You yeah, were all, I mean, but, you, but it sounds like you were really well received. Like people were like stoked to come and work with you. Like despite the oh, fact that 100%. the Middle East and the Western world hasn't always, obviously not Kuwait specifically, but like you know in general, like you would think that there'd be maybe some people would feel some kind of way about working with an American. Well, yeah, there was definitely you know, a there's little bit some of that, that. Sure. a little bit of that because like you know certain portions of the of the country are like love uh, like Americans in general because we you know, kind of help them win uh, Desert Storm. Because remember, they were right. uh, they were invaded and whatnot. Uh, right. Other parts uh, would say like that it was America's fault in the first place that, the, that they got invaded. So, you know, like, so there are, there are some of that. But for most people that I, were, that I were treating, unless they were above 50, like that, that part of their life is 
they were kids then, right? So right. they don't really have, uh, you know, either a disdain or resentment or a glorified like, oh, you're American, you're the best. Like, it's the older people that either liked you or, or disliked you. you because of those, you know, those two sides. But interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a great part of my life. I'm super stoked I did it. I don't regret it. Um, and I'm just, you know, I, I think it was a stage, just like we were talking about. There's stages where, like, I'll I'll be straight up, like my practice and my my ability to treat patients is still very important but it does not come first to my personal relationships anymore whereas if i if you asked me that 5 years ago not a chance in hell like dude i'm i'm with like, you on like that man practice you know? number 1 like if i had a girlfriend and she didn't understand i had to stay late anything like that they were just gone like no more right um that's not that's not how I feel anymore, and I don't know if it's the like I, I would believe that it's partially where I am in life, and also an equally contributor of who I am within life. Um, maybe it would have happened earlier if if I if I was you know in that situation earlier personally, but um, I can just tell you where I am now. You know, dude, no, that I mean that resonates with me personally because like I'm 34 now, you know, and so like uh, and you know, truthfully, my career is number one. My profession is yeah. number one. My business is number one, you know, and, and I've let, and I, you know, and I've passed on relationships and I've passed on personal stuff that I know would probably make me happy in some way to prioritize the career aspect of it, you know? And again, I, you, I think you're right. It just happens to be like where you are in life. And I'm starting to get to that point now thing. too, where I'm like not allowing certain professional stuff to infiltrate other areas of my life because I am seeing that I, I want to start prioritizing other aspects like a relationship. You know what I mean? I was in a relationship yeah. for a long time. So I was like, okay, checked off that box. Like that's going in the direction of, you know, marriage and kids and house and all that stuff. So I'm just going to really put the head down, focus on the business. And when that relationship fell apart or didn't work out, I just haven't really like reprioritized that. I was just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to really just double down on what I'm doing, um, which has been great. And it's also, you know, obviously it comes with a cost. And so you have yeah. to be able to have those checks and balances or at least be able to weigh the cost versus the benefit and, and just be honest with yourself about what you want. A lot of people just yeah. dishonest about what they want, including myself back in that, you know, before that marriage got called off. Like I was being dishonest with myself about what I wanted because I thought I was supposed yeah, to. Yeah, you start telling yourself what, right. what you think you want rather than what you Really it's like the feel. social media version of real life. You know what I mean? You start yeah. putting it out like, okay, this persona of what you su you're supposed to be doing at, at a certain age. Uh, and, and it may or may not have any real validity in what your actual, actual wants and needs are. We are all like a hundred percent guilty of that. Right. Okay, of you course, know, on some of, level. of like if telling you're human, ourselves you're guilty of that on some yeah. level. Yeah. Telling ourselves what we think we want or we think what's better, best for us. But our conscious is like, no, that's not good, right? Like, we all kind of know those. there's certain answers, right? Right. Uh, eh, whatever. So, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, let, me, let me take you back to, like, the hunting, the fishing, the, you know, all that <laughs> stuff, the flying planes. Like, dude, so for those of you guys who don't follow Tim or don't know about Wadok, it is not uncommon to see on his social media of him jumping out of a plane that he may or may not have flown somewhere. <laughs> Uh, you know, you in the middle of the woods, you know, like shooting guns or bailing hay on your parents' farm. Can you tell us about that? Like, what, I mean, what is I it just think it's you normal. It? Like, been to, to, to me, it's always been normal. People say because I have ADD that, um, 
that like I'm like you know adrenaline junkie or whatever like that but I it's just always been like I because I've been exposed to a lot of things I have a lot of different interests and they're just all kind of abstract right you know so I grew up on a dairy farm to like uh hunting fish and chewing tobacco like which I'm I'm happy that I don't chew tobacco anymore but I did for a, a fucking long time right <laughs> um and I miss it like crazy but I don't do it anymore it's actually it'll be a year in uh uh memorial day year memorial day but um since you quit the cha yes yeah, since i quit the cha um but like you know so that was my first love that's that's what i knew by like basically the first 20 years of my life was you know hunting and fishing and being on the farm and i didn't do any of those like you know other type of things um and then that's that was my that was my structure, my foundation, something I can't necessarily get away from. Like I'm, I'm going home to trout fish this weekend. Like, you know, like trout fishing just opened up in Pennsylvania. Um, first day of turkeys is the end of May or the end of April, the first week of May. Like I'll be home for that type of stuff. Like, cause those are things that like, can I, I come just hunt, can I come hunt turkeys with you? Yeah. If you want brother, for I'm, sure. Dude, I got nothing but time uh, these days. As long as they right. shut the highways down, I can drive out to Pennsylvania and yeah. shoot so some I'm birds go, with you. Let's get some so groceries. That will be next weekend, next weekend. If you want to go. Right? I don't, yeah. got no plans. You heard it here first, folks. Heard it here first. All right, wait, you, you, wait you for the picture. Get some video. The, uh, camouflage yeah, but like picture. you snowboard and wakeboard. Like, dude, like, I'm like, yeah. I don't even know these things about Tim. Like, you'll just be on, like, being pulled behind a boat and just flip a 360 over a wake and just, like, land it. I'm like, God damn, man. Yeah, but they like, all came with time, do? right? Of course. Of course uh, I, don't, like, I don't dance very well and I can't sing word <laughs> shit. Those are like, that's, what, that's that where I, I got know. you beat, I guess, then. Yeah, 100%. Dude, I can't, <laughs> I am like tone deaf. Like, literally, I can't hold tone like for anything. But, uh, but when it comes I do to a movement, lot of like, you're a freaking ninja, things. man. I, I, I've been blessed with being generally athletic. And, I, and I, I would say that I was one of those kids that was always good at all of the sports that he played. Maybe not the best, but I was good at all of them. And I just I'm, moved yeah. r like relatively well. And I could pick things up relatively easier as long as it's a physical thing. So I get, I get interested in things. Like I love to rock climb. I, like wakeboarding was a, was a childhood thing like, uh, that I got into. And that actually got me into snowboarding because at first I skied. Um, so I, like, I know how to ski, but I'm not very good at it. I got into wakeboarding because my neighbor had a wakeboard boat and we would go there like, you know, like, uh, on weekends, uh, every now and then in the summer. Right. And then, you know, then I, as I progressed, I met more friends that had boats and stuff like that. I don't have boat, but I have wakeboard. So I don't wakeboard that much, but I, for whatever reason can still do the things I did when I was a kid. Like, so I can still do tantrums and back rolls and stuff like that, but I just never lost that ability. Not because I practice every day. So that is like a genetic gift. There are plenty of things that I'm genetically ungifted in. Right. Um, and then it also then, speaks to like this whole concept of like neuroplasticity and your brain's ability to hold on to certain skills. Like I, I snowboard also, and I picked it up in college after I stopped playing lacrosse. I was like, I needed something to do. And my roommates in college were, into snowboarding so i bought like a 150 dollars snowboarding pack on like ebay and i started going with them because it was like that's what they were doing and you're and you were i was exposed to it right and so after i got like prof like into my professional career like after college i didn't really go that often and in fact i took like a five or six year period of time where in the last five or six years where i haven't gone at all because i opened my business and i was worried if you know god forbid you break a wrist or a hand or you know, then yeah. you're not able to work and make money. So that always was like, all right, you know what? I'm not going to go and take the chance. And you this past winter, fear. no, you can't, you can't. This past winter, I was I like, a, you know what? I'm going to go 
And I was so nervous that I was going to suck. I was like, God, you know, it's going to be like learning all over again. Nope. Get on the top yeah. of that mountain. I just was crushing it the first run. I'm like, never. Yeah, left. it just it, it, yeah, like it's it never skills. I had like, a talk about riding a bike, but like, there's a lot of skills. Like, if mm-hmm. you spent any amount of time honing a skill, you know, it really does stick with you. You know, you might be a little rusty, but you can pretty much shake it off pretty quick and and get back to for a lot you know, of having things. some and prowess. If yeah. that if that's your person, like, not sure. everyone gets to do it like that. And yeah. there are some people that just aren't as kinesthetically aware. Uh, that you know when they do lose the skill that it, it it's almost like relearning all again but we all have we all have yeah the whatever. strengths and weaknesses yeah yeah for sure. and that I just happened to be one like of you in that regard i've always been able to pick up you know things physically oriented fairly easily i've been able to pick yeah. stuff up or it would come to me quicker or like you said like generally pretty good at whatever sport you play maybe not the best on the team but pretty Pretty, yeah, but like like, like the there. like the jack, like the jack. Like you're not the king or the ace, but you're the jack, right? Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I just do like, a, like I've just collected things that I enjoy doing um, for a long period of time. So that started out um, that started out with the hunting and fishing and stuff like that, and then the wakeboarding and just, again kid childhood things. But I still love to do it. So whenever I can, uh, I I do it. I just happen to have more access to it recently because uh my my girlfriend's family has a boat so it's like we get to go out i love the lake yeah uh rock climbing is again but a thing that we used to do it every tuesday me and a couple of my buddies and it was like our off day from the gym so that's kind of been ingrained uh ingrained um uh becoming a pilot was something i always wanted to do so that was a that was a so it's I relatively did that in 2012. New. yeah okay. 2012 i got my license Cool. Uh, but it was after I got a chiropractic school and stuff and I was like looking for some like uh personal uh gain, like some like, you know, like I, like I wanted some personal fulfillment besides just business stuff. And then that got me into parachuting because I was like, um, I, I always wanted to do it. And actually when I, when I worked and lived in Kuwait is when I started because I came home, I went to Wadapalooza and, uh, a bunch of me and a couple of my buddies were out having a little too many drinks uh, after Waterpalooza. And uh, we all decided to go skydiving the next day. And when I went skydiving in Skydive Miami, um, I saw a package that said, like, get your A license, which is like the first license you can get. After I jumped, I was like, fuck it, I'm doing it. And I just happened to have the mobility because I was home for 30 days. Right. So I stayed on my buddy's couch down in Florida and, uh, and just – Skydive every, every day. day yeah jumped every day i got my license done in 10 days and then uh, i've been jumping ever since yeah uh, awesome, so man. and then i guess the thing that i bet you the most controversial thing i do is i shoot a lot of guns like i love i love shooting and i i every time i post something about me shooting i lose like 500 followers <laughs> it's crazy but really? again, Pe- it's, people are that like, people are that like i mean again like that's definitely a controversial yeah you know, political super, feeling like, yeah, right like guns versus no guns but you know uh, i yeah. have guns you know a lot of people probably don't know that about me my dad was a huge hunter unfortunately my dad passed when i was really young um but i inherited those 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 weapons and and i've kept them you know and i've only shot them a few times throughout my life but i've kept them because it was such a huge part of his life and it's kind of like an homage you know you want to keep yeah them, so so, I mean, I, I love to, I, I'm doing this thing called the tactical games, uh, which is kind of like a combination of like CrossFit activities and shooting. And uh, I would say that is controversial for my followers, right? Because they'll, I'll put up things of me training for it and stuff like that. And I'll always get people that comment negative things, but there's also a certain portion that are like, yeah, man, that's awesome. That type of stuff. So 
Yeah. Uh, it's just, again, it's polarizing, but um, I really like it. It's an interest of mine. Uh, I think that it's harmless uh, in the hands. I think that, I, I think that in general, I can't wait till you get killed for this. I think in general, uh, a gun is a tool like anything else. Sure. And a tool can either be dangerous or harmless depending on the user. Uh, so that's my take in it. That's my, that's where I got, but I mean, listen, uh, I, I'll be truthful. I'm with you on that. You know, it's a tool. I've, uh, yeah. and again, and it's something that is there and it's a, it's around and right. whether you, and if you choose to not partake and you don't, that's fine, you know? And, yeah. and again, like, you know, obviously you're responsible and, and it comes down to education. Yeah. like anything else, right? Like being the educated. controversy comes with where people will say like, yeah, they'll agree that it is a tool and whatnot. But if there were, if that tool didn't exist, would somebody be able to do something harmful for it? Right. right. So like if there, if there wasn't a shovel laying around in your garage, could somebody grab that shovel and whack you over the head with it? No, because there's no shovel. Right? Right. So, you know, but again, uh, not, not, I, I actually think the tactical games thing is kind of cool though, because it combines like, you know, that physical exertion piece, right? Where you're, you know, like the endurance, the conditioning, and then having to yeah. do something that's a real, so that might be like a more of a gross motor movement type of demand. And then you have to like completely fine shift gears and then really hone in on like fine motor skill and concentration and focus when your body has been physically taxed. I mean, is that yeah. accurate? Is that, is that like what's appealing to it about it? For you? Exactly. For me, that's exactly what's appealing to it. Um, so the idea of, again, do you have to climb ropes and do burpees and to, to shoot a gun? No, absolutely not. But the idea of an elevated cardiovascular rate and an ele and a fatigued musculoskeletal system and, uh, you know, in the, in terms like that, and then trying to do fine motor skills, that's, that's cool. Like, I, I really think that anyone with enough training could stand in front of a target from seven yards away and be relatively successful. Yeah. But to try to do that when your heart rate's at 140 and you're breathing at like, you know, 30 breaths, 40 breaths a, a minute, like that's hard. And, uh, and to me, like, I like that challenge. That's just something that I like. No, it's cool, man. I think, you know, you know, you're somebody who's not, and this is one of the things I admire about you is you're not afraid to go for it. Obviously from this conversation today, it is apparent to anybody who listens to this, that you're not somebody who's afraid to just go for it, push your chips in, try something new. And I think it's important throughout life to be new at something be, you know, yeah. suck at something at first and then work at it and get better at it, improve your skill set. It's kind of like one of those fundamental things, what it, what it means to be a human being and, you know, learning and developing new skills is really enriching. Uh, and, and it's really cool to see, like, you have such a wide variety of hobbies that you're into um, and you do a lot of them at a high level, but you also practice at a high level and you help people at a high level and you communicate at a high level. And, you know, that's, what's admiring. That's what I, one of the things I admire about you and, um, you know, and I, I see a lot of those correlations in my own life where it's like, oh, actually, I'm pretty good at this other stuff that maybe, you know, like I go kayak fishing. A lot of people are like, why do you go kayak fishing? Yeah, like, you what do. Is I it love a, that. Too. What is it about kayak fishing? And it is the same thing. It's like physically demanding. You know, it's like, you know, I got to pedal my kayak like four or five miles in the bay or the ocean to get to a decent area. And then it's like the physical challenge of trying to focus on something that's very technique specific while you're kind of gassed and for all for that moment of when like you know big fish yeah. hits and you're like oh my god this is like that 30 seconds of rush is like worth all of it <laughs> yeah it's great uh i mean the, and continually diversify all right last so, top last topic okay let's take that gun topic in in a new direction okay um so it is not uncommon for me to get a phone call or a facetime message or a text 
at all hours of the day from Tim Samansky these days saying, let's slay some bitches. And what he means by that. let's slay some bitches. What he means by that is we're logging on to Call of Duty Modern Warfare and playing multiplayer together. Um, yeah. The virtual, yes. The virtual connection. But truthfully, man, it's been a lot of fun. Like, I, I don't know if it was you that said anybody wants first. to play, Cap- Captain Yeah, if anybody, <laughs> if, I was going to just ask you, like, what's your gamer tag? If anybody wants to play yeah. with us, uh, yeah. we're going to throw our gamer tags down. We're down to play. But here's the throw, disclaimer. Post those up, post those yeah, up there. Yeah. I'm going to post them up there. The disclaimer for that is don't expect us to be professional. Don't yeah. expect us to be, like, <laughs> politically correct. Like, when we are playing Call of Duty, you will, yeah. I'm pretty much going to be dropping F-bombs more than any other statement. Right. Uh, and talking some smack and <laughs> exactly if you i mean that's part of the game right part of the game is talking smack like right. there would be some times like we're all hiding in a corner to shoot people just because i know they'll come back because i know it's aggravating when somebody hides in the corner and shoots me <laughs> <laughs> so i like, just and there's something about just trash talking a 12 year old you know oh, it, oh so much fulfillment in that <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah so uh, so tim's gamer tag is what it's uh it's captain coleman <laughs> but it's Gotta spelled that, c-a-p-t right capped yes c-a-p-t Coleman. and then like capped like not like right yeah and uh, if you guys want to fi- if you guys want to find me on call of duty i'm uh doctor underscore dastardly <laughs> yeah and i listen it's a great way to just mind blank for a little bit and uh and like you know relax and have fun and uh totally it's a nice distraction it's been a lot of fun you know just to like hang out with you like we're not able to hang out in person and it's really funny because like you and i have hung out in person a handful of times you know but we've built a really strong friendship um because obviously we have a lot in common and and you know we were you know you were my first roommate at rockstock and gave me all like the the down low information on rock tape and like what to oh yeah And, and dude you were always like when i first got hired by rock tape you were one of the first people you DM me on Instagram. We're like, Hey man, I just want to welcome you to the fam. If there's anything I can do to help you, you know, let me know. Like, you know, if you need help with the decks or you need help with fl- like whatever it is, just let me know. And I'm here for you. And I was like, man, that's, and that was true of a lot of people in rock tape, but like you were one of the first people to reach out, which thank you for that. It's been awesome. Uh, yeah, man. I'm glad that we developed what we did. Yeah, totally. Totally. And so I'll see you later on call of duty. Is that the plan? Yeah. See you later on call of duty. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, we'll be on there. We'll be on there. Um, like, like we said, slaying some bitches. All right. We'll do it. Cool, uh, otherwise, besides that, um, as long as everything works out all right, teaching this weekend, uh, I'm doing pause and floss. What are you doing? I'm doing blades and blades advance this weekend. Blades and blades advance. So we're both working this weekend, but yep. next weekend, maybe we can, uh, maybe we can actually get out I would, dude, and you know, I would chase some turkeys that. around. I would love that or do some trout, whatever you want to do. I would love that. Well, we can do both. The cool thing is in Pennsylvania, you can't hunt on Sundays. So you could okay. you can do uh turkey turkeys on Saturdays, trout fishing on Sundays, or something like that. We'll see how it goes. Very, very cool. Well, uh Tim, just as we're getting ready to sign off here, um, can you just like how do people reach you if they want if they're in the Boston area? Anytime I get a message from people looking for treatment in the Boston area, obviously I'm always recommending you, you know, because I know you personally and professionally. And, you know, anytime I make a referral, it's a reflection on me. But for those of you who may be listening or you want to, you know, jump in one of your virtual classes or get a virtual assessment right now, um, or when things open back up, like how can people reach you? Uh, super simple. If you type in burp, uh, B I R P, uh, it's the super, it's the easiest way to probably get in touch with me. If you go on Instagram, obviously Wadoc is my name and you can, you know, direct yourself that way. But easiest way is to type in burp or burp therapy. 
but it stands for Boston Injury Rehab Performance. You'll be able to get in touch with me that way uh, on throughout the social networks. Uh, otherwise, Burp, uh, therapy at gmail.com will get you my email address. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, social media network is the quickest and fastest. So Instagram, I have Waddoc, which everyone kind of knows. And then Burp Therapy is the other one, uh, B-I-R-P and then therapy. Awesome. And that's it. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really, really do appreciate it. This was a ton of fun. We'll definitely have to get Tim back on at another point in time. Uh, and definitely stay tuned for some, some combo photo shoot ops yeah uh, definitely make sure you get your camouflage out i i only like i, got I some need camo. you to have some nice camo okay i got some camo stuff cool good awesome well thanks again tim and thank you guys all for tuning in and listening to this episode of the movement underground radio uh, check out the uh show notes and i will link in our gamer tags in the show notes for you guys if you want to hop on call of duty and slay some bitches with tim and i um and outside of that i hope you guys have a fantastic day uh, and we will see you guys on another episode of the Movement Underground Radio. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Later, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Movement Underground Radio. If you like the episode, please subscribe so that you're notified when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram at the Movement Underground. You can follow me on Instagram at Mike Stella underscore ATC. Please visit us on the web at themovementunderground.com and check out our YouTube channel at The Movement Underground. If any of you guys have any questions or would like to leave a comment, please do so or reach out to us through any one of those channels. We'd be happy to get back to you. Uh, if you would like to be featured on The Movement Underground Radio, definitely drop us a line and we can talk. So we hope you liked it and we'll see you guys next time.